And the quote was, good, better, best, never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, revolutionaries? What's good, revolutionaries? What's good, revolutionaries? Welcome to the What's Your Revolution show. A show for men and the people who love them. Where we discuss how men can revolutionize themselves. Find the revolution within themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. What's good, revolutionaries? I read a post on Instagram, you know, early in March that if you didn't come out of this pandemic with something tangible, novel, or skillful, you would have wasted that time. Although I don't fully agree with the sentiment for everyone, it was a motivation for me. In earlier March, I promised myself that I would get to 100 shows by the end of the year. I was 18 shows away from that goal. We made it. And along the way, I have interviewed some amazing revolutionary men. I've interviewed my childhood friend, Pastor Osazi Murray, great Omega men like Dr. Anthony Perdue, transformational figures like Martin Ekachuku, those who stand in the line of fire to tell us great stories like my friend, my friend, my friend, Muhammad Leela. And I can't forget the incomparable author and Brookings fellow, Dr. Andre Perry. Please make sure you go out and get his book, Know Your Price. For me, it has been, at least in this context, in this, the context of What's Your Revolution, it has been an amazing year. My goal when I set out to do this show almost four years ago was to uplift the stories of black men who are revolutionizing their lives, their families, and their communities. So far, I think we have done that. And I promise revolutionaries that we are going to keep going. It is onward, 100 and forward. That is my revolution. And as I thought about who I wanted to interview for the 100th show, and who I wanted to share this space with, I couldn't think of any other person than one of my best friends, Philip Granville Eccles, soon to be, let me say this revolutionary, soon to be the <laughs> Dr. Philip Granville Eccles. The first time I met Phil, I was, he was walking down South Carrollton in my beloved New Orleans with his girlfriend at the time, Sarah. <laughs> she is now his beautiful wife and they have a prince, Prince Julian. Phil was taking the extremely long route to my other best friend, Eli's house. <laughs> Phil, you remember that day? I do. <laughs> vividly. Vividly, vividly. And driving down the street, Eli called and was like, yo, you got to come meet my boy Phil. But he's walking to my house and he's walking down South Carrollton from Magazine. And anybody in New Orleans knows if you're walking down South Carrollton from Magazine, that's a hell of a long walk. So I picked him up, he and his girlfriend, and literally, Phil and I have been inseparable since that. We have taken excursions around the, around the world in numerous countries and numerous locales here in the United States. But why Phil for the Hunter's Show? Yes, you have your boys up here all the time, Charles Corpru. But why Phil? Because Phil has created a movement that has caught fire over the last few years. And that movement has created a revolution for so many. That movement is simply to ask yourself, how do you become better? Welcome to the show, my friend, my best friend, my best friend, my brother, my brother from another mother, my dude, like my confidant, like literally there are things that I tell this dude that I don't tell anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> literally, I call him, I feel I had this thought, man. I can't tell nobody else, man. <laughs> literally, this dude will be at my funeral telling stories about all the stuff that I've told him. Phil Eccles, what's up, brother? How you doing? What's up, man? I'm, I've, um, I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. Um, some big shoes to fill, man. This is such a great show, great platform. Um, and I'm a lockbox, so don't don't feel like I'll be telling these stories, <laughs> those things that you shared. They're, they are safe with me, brother. Man, by the time you get to my funeral, man, tell it all. Tell, <laughs> tell it all. I'm gone. You can tell them stories, man. I, I give you I give you the opportunity to tell those stories, man. Lord, our Instagram 
<laughs> you know, it's on, it's on record today. It, 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 it is on record. Anybody look? Yeah, no, you can't go to our Instagram. Oh. <laughs> not at not at all. Dear brother, I need to say this out loud, man. I'm going to say it out loud early in this show, man. I love you, brother. And too many times we don't often say that we take it to we take it, you know, to heart. We don't say the things that we need we need to say at the times that we need to say. And you say this all the time, Phil. Give your flowers while they're living, brother. It's true, man. Say that on top. So I'm giving you the flowers. Yeah. I love you. I thank you for the friendship and the grace and gratitude and the safe space that you give me to be your friend. And, you know, 15 years of friendship have gone by so fast, man. I can't, I can't, I can't believe it, brother. Likewise, man. I love you too, brother. Um, yeah, so much has happened. It's hard to even think 15 years has just flown by so fast, but you know, I, I, I just appreciate all that you are and all you've been to me. Every, everything that you have said about me, the feeling is mutual. So, <laughs> you know, I've shared I, things with you and, and we've shared laughs and moments, which, which we'll get into a little bit within, <laughs> within the podcast, but you know, there've been some, some memories made and some, some bonding that is, has taken place. Yeah, man. Speaking of those memories, um, you know, like I said, we have been to uh, various locales around the country. We have been to other countries and, you know, one of the, one of the greatest moments, and I have to talk about this revolutionaries for one sec. I, 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 we're going to get into a couple, couple events that Phil and I, you know, precarious opportunities that we have been in, in our, you know, in our time together. And I got to tell this story, brother, you know, one of the greatest opportunities was to go and spend time with you out in Vegas for your bachelor party. <laughs> and I look, look, you should see Phil's face. Like Phil's like, oh, so look, I'm like, yeah, this isn't my funeral. Don't tell all. <laughs> don't, don't go into detail. I won't go into any details. <laughs> we had a good time, man. We and did. We, yeah, we had a really good time. But we one did. of the things like the story, like the story is crazy because we decided like long before the bachelor party was going to happen that we were going to go skydiving. <laughs> we were going to go skydiving. And Phil, bruh, the night before we had gone out, right? That was the night before we had gone out. We were at the club. We were at the hookah bar. Yes. I think, yeah, I think that was the night. We, we stayed out late. We were we stayed out drinking. We And literally, you know, drinking in the desert in Vegas, you can wake up dehydrated. And I was like, yo, we are still going. Phil was like, ah, I don't know if we're going. And I was like, no, we paid our money. We are going skydiving. Right. Did you hear me, revolutionaries? We are going skydivers. We took an hour ride out to the middle of the desert. Yeah, look, I got to jump in for just one second, just to just to give a little more context to the story. Please. So when we were. All right. I won't give all the details, <laughs> but I feel like we got in that morning around 4 a.m. Yeah, it was late. And so skydiving was at like nine. Like we needed to be like rolling by nine. And so. When you said that we were still going and talking about getting into the car for the hour ride, like you all had to literally drag me out of bed. <laughs> like I was not going. I had made up in my mind that I wasn't going. You all literally had to drag me out of bed and carry me to the van for the hour ride to to the lift. So take it from there. I'll jump Yeah, man. In. Yeah, exactly. I, look, I remember what I had on, man. I had on this purple Omega shirt, man. And look, do, do you, I don't know if you remember, like. I remember the conversation in the in the van that day. I know it's been a long time. It's been it's been 11 years. That was 2011. It was. Yeah, it was 2011. And Phil, do you remember we had to sign all the paperwork? We basically had to sign our lives away. Yeah, basically. <laughs> right. I had just graduated from Tulane, got my doctorate, had a job and yeah. was in this wonderful place of life, like literally this really introspective place of life. And we're signing the paper away. And I look at you and I say, Phil, if something happens to me today, if I don't live another day, I'm good. You remember me saying that? I do. I do. Yeah. Remember yeah. That. I, do I was remember like, that. I'm good. I was it was this blissful moment of life. Right. That, that I'm good if something happened, because I guess in that moment, Phil, we, we were signing our lives away. Right. Yeah. And so it was so, a peak, it was <laughs> peak moment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And. We get to the, we, so moving the story forward, we get there, we get all strapped up, we're ready to go. And they take us out to this plane <laughs> and Phil is still drunk. 
Phil is still drunk, right? At, at, at this moment, we're about to go jump, right? We're about to go jump. Phil is still drunk, right? Listen, notice how I did not either confirm or deny that statement. <laughs> he did not. He did not confirm, right? Maybe he is, He still was t- had taken in from what happened. This was 2011. It's 2020. So we get on this plane, right? We get on it's It's a prop plane. It's literally a prop plane. And you know people, right? When you get on a plane... What do they say? We're going to close the doors. We're going to close the doors to make sure that you are pressurized. <laughs> right? Anytime. Right. We got them to play and they did not close the door. <laughs> they did not close the door. And Phil is like, yo, I don't know if I'm doing this. Literally. <laughs> as the plane's going on, he's like, I don't want to do this. I was like, you're going to do this. You're go- I'm telling him, like, you are going to do this. You- Kicking and screaming. Kicking and screaming. You're going to do this, right? And I'm calm for some reason. I am super calm. Super calm. I've never been that calm in my life, right? And so anytime I'm trying to talk to a woman now, I'm like, remember, you jump out of planes. <laughs> yeah, it is a confidence boost. It is a confidence boost. So moving this story forward, moving this story forward, Phil jumps before me, right? And we got this. So we're doing a tandem jump. It's our first jump, tandem jump. Phil jumps before me. Phil is looking at me like, before he jumps, like, I don't want to do this. I'm like, you're doing this. You are doing this, right? We are doing this. So we're up. They close the door, like, right before we're supposed to jump. Open the door. Phil jumps. Then I jump. 130 miles. 130. Greatest rush of your life. The greatest rush of your life, Phil. And so then you, then, then you, like, you like, stop. For a second and the shoot pulls and I'm taking it all. I'm taking it all in. I'm taking it. And then I start looking for Phil. Right. <laughs> I start looking for Phil. Where's Phil? Where's Phil? He should be because he jumped like two seconds before. We should be in the same same space, the same sphere. Phil is nowhere near me. Phil is nowhere near me. Phil is almost to the damn ground. <laughs> We were about three miles in the air, too. Yeah, exactly. Feel it. So I continue to go on. We find the shoot pools. I'm flying. I'm I'm taking it all in. Da, da, da. The the ride comes to an end. We get down. Phil is at the ground shaking like, <laughs> like you made me jump. To end the story, basically, Phil's shoot wrapped around 17 times. He and his partner almost had to cut the shoot, right, to get to the emergency shoot. Look, luckily for him luckily for him that he had an experienced jumper and he was able to unwrap that shoot or it might have been somewhat of a disaster and i would have felt really really bad and had to tell his wife sarah oh i made him jump that day <laughs> look it wasn't first of all it wasn't my time because i'm still here that's yes. proof. i remember kissing the ground <laughs> when we landed it was gravel i remember kissing the ground and I, in the same vein, your conversation to me about, you know, if this is it, you have lived a peaceful life. For me, it was symbolic of <laughs> almost symbolic of jumping the broom. I said, if I can survive this, then I'm good for marriage. Right. <laughs> so it was it was a it was a very symbolic moment. And it, it's something I do want to talk about with you a little bit today uh, with like peak moments and special moments in our lives. Like that moment, that that had been on my my radar for a long time as a bucket list item. And so whenever I think back to when we think about our friendship, which I know we're going to talk about more, you know, those peak moments, those special moments, those life changing moments, those firsts that happen when you have people by your side that you trust, that you love, it makes it even more special. And so those are the types of things that help solidify and bond relationships. So whenever I think back to that moment of skydiving, that being my first and and probably only. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> you know, I, I think about you, man, and I, I just appreciate it so much. Yeah, man. We've had a lot of peak moments, brother. We, we've had a lot, lot of peak moments. I can run down the laundry list. You having MRSA at Jazz Fest one year mm. with you, us walking yes. through the us walking through the French Quarter with you with a boot. Next thing you know, you go home. You're in the hospital for three or four days with with a, a, a MRSA on your foot. Almost had to amputate, amputate your leg, you know, amputate your foot. It was crazy. Um, you know, Eli's bachelor party in in Vancouver. <laughs> Shout yes. out to our boy, Dr. Dr. Elijah Hamilton Beatty. 
board certified cardiologist, EP, one of you know, one of only few black electrophysiologists, electrophysi- cardiologists in the country. Our, uh, our brother who brought us together. I could tell that story, you know, who brought us together. Shout out to him. Yeah. His bachelor know. party, bro. Do you do you remember the antics at his bachelor party? I do. I do. <laughs> and 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 for those listening, don't don't think please don't think that our friendship is rooted in in foolishness and bachelor parties. <laughs> it is way more than that, but these are just a couple of the stories that come up. But no, I I remember it like it was yesterday. Like again, um, more first, more first, more peak moments. More peak moments. Peak peak moment is me doing the um uh, uh the burning <laughs> uh, the burn. The, the, let, let, let me tell that story really quickly. Just, just really quickly. It was one of our first nights. It, it might have been our first night. So we end up going to this club. Um, we have some friends with us. That this is me fast forwarding through a lot of other things that have happened. <laughs> so it's about eleven o'clock, eleven thirty, if my memory serves me correctly. And Charles is just in the corner, kind of like, oh, I'm tired. I'll probably go back and maybe read or just get some rest for tomorrow. We're going skiing. If fast forward 30 minutes later, Charles is in the middle of the dance floor doing the Bernie and the life of the party. It's like everyone is circled around this dude. I was like, how did he go from almost going home and going to bed to being the center of this party? <laughs> it was in, huge in this club, man. Literally, that that was the that was the entire night because it, it went from like hall pads. That's and that's how we label. That is a, how we label the beginning of Eli's bachelor party. Hall pads. We're sitting in like like a Chili's, a, a, a Vancouver's equivalent to Chili's, and <laughs> and all of a sudden we meet this crew, a crew of crew of waitresses and bartenders who work at this place, and literally. They were the variables that changed that entire weekend. Yes, it was the it was the wait staff at Joey's. Joey's, Joey's. Yeah, <laughs> dude, we couldn't pick those people out in the lineup. No, no, that that that's crazy. No, no. the funny part, yeah, the funny part, we were just having dinner and drinks conversation, and um, a few of the 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 waitresses. You know, they said, "Oh, like, what brings you into town? What are you all doing here?" And I said, "Oh, actually, we're here for." A bachelor party and they just laughed saying well this doesn't look like much of a bachelor party <laughs> it's like we're just heating up next thing we know um yeah they were they were giving us the the grand tour of of vancouver and um just kind of setting it off it, it was it was a great time i mean good clean fun let me preface it by that <laughs> let me let me Talk. at least preface yeah, let me let me preface the good, clean fun. But no, it was a great time. It, and and we always f- make friends wherever we go. I Ever will we, say that. Wherever also. we go, you know, let's let's look. Yes, we make friends wherever we go. And our motto has always been throughout our friendship is that it's not where you are. It's who you're with. Absolutely. And we have had. Literally, we have had some amazing times over the last 15 years, whether it's been in New Orleans, whether it's been in Vancouver, whether it's been in Charlotte, whether it's been in, I'm not, look, whether it's been in Chicago, I'm not even going to talk about our antics in Chicago. I am not going to talk about, right, literally, literally, I'll just say this, we're drunk, we're crying, and we're singing at a house (laughs) bar in Chicago, me, Eli, and Phil, and the bartender's like, what the hell is wrong with and none of us, none of us remember it. But <laughs> look, it's not where you are, revolutionaries. It's who you're with. And, and this friendship, this friendship and laughter that we have been able to have over the last 15 years transforms. Eli has a, a, a wonderful, beautiful daughter, uh, L, his wife, Victoria, Phil, Prince Julian and his queen, Sarah, you know, our family. And though our travels are a bit different these days, our friendship is still solidified in trust and honesty, love, vulnerability, and the ability to be each other's accountability partners. Phil and I are both woos, so we love to win <laughs> win others over. Philip Granville Eccles, my boy, my best <laughs> friend, like my confidant, as I've said, thank you for coming on the show. What's your revolution, Phil? 
my revolution is it, it, just as you stated earlier, um, becoming better. It is to inspire those around me to become the best version of themselves. And 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 when I say that, I'll give a little more context. You know, just imagine a a, a world or a society where everyone is is has goals and are pushing themselves to be the best version that they can possibly be, you know? And one of the things that I'll say, it's not necessarily around like wealth or being rich. It's more just, you know, whether it's being the healthiest version of yourself, or if you're a runner, um, being a little bit faster than you were last year, or um, just being the anti-racist version of yourself, whatever you consider the best version of yourself to be, um, that is it. And it, it's really goal, goal-centered and, and it, it goes back to this quote that my father and I often talk about, just that low aim, low, low aim is sin. And just where we all have the potential to, to do more and create this ripple effect of um, of change and and positive things in our world, um, you know, when we take days off from from reflecting, and of, of course, I'm not saying not to recharge your battery or um, take the time that you need to reflect, but when we aren't striving for more, or when we aren't reflecting on our goals, or reflecting on our our desired state, or what we're pushing ourselves to be, then um, you know we're falling short of of just relishing the gift that we have of this time here on earth. You know, Phil, there's a, there's a, a whole lot in that. And your father, the wise Omega man that he is, <laughs> <laughs> the very wise and very wise uh, Omega man that he is. I say that one more time. Um, the good pastor, the good reverend, <laughs> the good reverend Eccles, right? And I love that he couched, he couched that into saying that low aim is a sin. Low aim is a sin. And you have picked up that mantra in a more uh, colloquial way that it is our job to become better in every way. And revolutionaries, as you're listening to this show, it's going to come out the, you know, this is going to air the first week in January. And many of us will be thinking about our revolutions and our resolutions and, and changing our lives. How do you build upon 2020? And people are going to say, you know, 2020 was this. I lost family members. I lost friends. I lost loved ones. I might have lost a job. I may, I may have lost a step. But it sounds like what you're saying, Phil, is that no matter what, there's an opportunity to become better. And so people are going to ask me, like, well, Phil, that sounds great. That, that sounds great. But how do I do that? Right? I don't know. Right? I don't know what it means to become better. How do I even, how do I even start this process, Dr. Phil? Go ahead and claim that. <laughs> We're going to speak it into existence. Yes, we are. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, first is to, you know, very much thinking about what we've been reflecting on, like our our relationship and our friendship is to consider you know, who you're spending time with, consider your circle, consider um, those people who are closest to you, um, because those people being the fabric of, of who you are help make you a better person, you know, and just surrounding yourself with the people who, who offer you uh, ad advice that you respect and, and put to action um spending time with those people like reflecting and processing through you know events and experiences that have, have happened and that kind of leads to the second point that I'll share is you know my work being in adult learning you know we it, it, from John Dewey's work we from his words we we learn from processing experiences and so that's that's the edge that adults might have in learning over students per se the students are still gathering these experiences and going through life. But as adults, we've had these experiences. And if experience were all that we needed to be experts, then we would all be experts. And so just reflecting on our experiences, our decisions, 
um, the things that we've overcome, like those things can help us change our trajectory and become better versions of ourselves. Yeah. You know, community is everything. And, you know, as, as I continue to read and, and, and think and be reflective about impending <laughs> 50, oh, 50, five months to 50, Dr. Phil, five, you know, and one of the greatest reflective periods of my life and seeing who's around me. And we've often said, you know, my favorite quote, and I've said it on so many shows, the people around you show you who you are. Yes. That's an interesting thing. The people around you show you who you are. The other thing that I hear is that you need to surround yourself with people on the level that you wish to be on. Absolutely. Right? Don't surround yourself with people who are on the same level. Right. Surround yourself. And I'm not saying that everybody in your circle has to be like lofty where you're trying to get on the next level. Have your people. But in your circle, have some people that are like are on that next level where you see that who will be supportive, who will give you tutelage and mentorship. Right. And so you can see what that next level actually looks like. You know, so, Phil, who are you surrounding yourself with these days? Who's on that next level for you as you look to ascend as in, in May, you're going to graduate with this Ph.D. Who's on that next level for you to say, bam, I, I'm trying to get there. And you surrounded yourself with them. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a backstory before I share share some of my my connections and people that I really admire and look up to the work they're doing. You know, I think back to when we first met, it was. I believe it was 2009. Um, Sarah and I were in New Orleans. You shared a little bit of the story. Yeah. And you, so you were working on finishing up your PhD in psychology. My college roommate, who you've mentioned, Eli, doc, Dr. Beatty, <laughs> was finishing his medical residency at Tulane. And I remember at the time I was I was a school counselor, middle school counselor, wasn't taking any classes, um, wasn't doing much outside of, of work and not that I, I necessarily needed to be at that time, but I just remember being with you all and leaving on the plane home. I remember asking myself, like, what am I doing with my life? You know, am I happy where I am? Could I be doing more and reference you and Eli? And I attribute going back to school, like working on my doctorate degree, um, even become better. Even the 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 vlogs and the the reflective blog posts that I've done and the social media posts and reflections I've shared, I attribute our friendship and our relationship as a huge spark in that process for me. And and so I would definitely mention you and Eli as people who I'm surrounded by that always push me and and help me think about higher ground that I should be seeking in life. Um, I, I'll share a little bit more. Another, even my 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 line brother, my fraternity brother and lifelong friend, Eric Jones. E. He's someone I yeah he he is someone that I think about. Eric was just named um, an executive with AT and T in the the Virginia DC area, and you know I'm always amazed at the the work that that he is doing and the the role that he is the roles and leadership roles that he's taking on and he is also someone that I really you know admire and not only as a peer but just someone who whose work is is one that that helps helps me challenge and and push myself to to new heights You know, and even in the even in respect of, you know, kind of mentioning you all's name as those who I've been surrounding myself with, I think, um, you know, not even from not even being just just the men in my life. (laughs) Another person that I will I will share that I have have been in contact with since I've been doing the work that I'm doing um, in professional learning is um, Val Brown. She now lives in in North Carolina. And like Val and I were friends on social media. And I remember my first day on the job, I was tweeting about uh, starting this new role in professional learning. And she was doing similar work. And she was in Florida at the time, 
but she is now working with, she had been working with teaching tolerance and um, was doing professional learning and presenting at conferences. And so, you know, Val and I have kind of kept in touch and, and, and been able to just support each other. And, you know, even kind of just behind the scenes, not necessarily like publicly on social media, sometimes we share things that each other posts, but we keep the pulse on like how things are going um, and, and just keep in touch with, with what are our goals professionally and just where are we headed. So that was just another person that came to mind when shouting out, um, you know, just growth and, and, and being a better person and, and growing professionally. Yeah. No, it's those people, Phil. It's, the, it's those people that keep us grounded. And our brother Eli is, is, is always, we know when we get on the phone with him, those uh, conversations that men typically have uh, usually are not at the forefront of those conversations. Eli is telling us about finance, about what book he's reading, the intellectual growth that's going, you know, going on. It's almost like, what would Eli do? You know, WWED, <laughs> you know, instead of WWJD, what would Eli do in these situations? Our brother Eli has, you know, you know, pontificated to us. He has amplified our growth and, you know, tremendously grateful for him. Phil, you mentioned, you know, and, and I want to unpack this a little bit more because become better is not just, you know, a, a slogan for Phil to, you know, for Phil to have this mantra to talk about. Become better is actually this, this whole movement, this whole video movement that you started a couple of years ago. And one of the things that you have been able to amplify in your work through your videos is tidbits and strategies and tools for people to become better. In 2018, you said your revolution, in a sense, was I'm going to produce content for 365 days, right? Where can people go? Because I know that content is still out there. Where can people go, get it first? And then what was that like for you to create that content for 365 days? Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit about it. Um, first of all, you can find me or, or any of my social media post through, I'd say Phil Eccles everything. I jokingly say <laughs> Phil Eccles everything, philecles.com, um, at Phil Eccles for Instagram, at Phil Eccles on Twitter, uh, TikTok, you name it, I'm on it. You and got a so, TikTok? Wait a minute. You got I a do have it. It's got only a like a couple, it's only a couple of videos. Are you there, but... are you dancing and trying to give tidbits and strategies? Are you, are no. you, is that what you're doing? <laughs> are you doing the Bernie on TikTok giving a tip and strategy? I am not dancing. Um, <laughs> Still trying to figure TikTok out, but yeah, just, man. you know, but just 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 going where people are. Uh, there's always there's always a way to inspire people on any platform. The message right. is the same everywhere. And mm. so, so I would just share just a little bit about the videos, and this speaks to craftsmanship, and this speaks to uh, personal improvement. You know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the the ten thousand hours that needs to go into something to become an expert. And I remember starting a vlog back in, it was 2010, you know, I, I referenced when we met back in 2009 and 2010 was when I started all of the Become Better movement mm. as far as social media posts and, and blogging and vlogging. And I just remember growing my skill set of creating videos and even public speaking through sharing messages um, in a daily vlog. And I remember that process of just the continuous craftsmanship of creating messages that were fresh, um, not repeating messages, getting better in how I'm communicating messages through video. And it comes a lot more natural to me now. If I do nothing else with videos, I've now become better at creating them uh, for my job, for for projects that people might need. And it was just a skill set that I grew all from just my passion and love of communicating a positive message to the world. And, and that's one thing that I really love about social media is it amplifies, it helps amplify voices. You know, you can send out a message on Twitter or on Facebook and it gets shared around the world numerous times or it goes viral. Not, not that that is always the goal, but that is the beauty of, of, of having this platform that you can share your message and reach even more people. Whereas before, you know, it was maybe writing letters or just 
calling people on the telephone or, you know, even growing up, as you mentioned, my father, even in church. Growing up in the church, yeah. Right. You know, it's just it, I, I love that aspect of social media. And, you know, it even it grew into inspirational apparel. You know, I ended up trademarking yeah. the unitary mark, become better um, and still figuring out exactly what I'd want to do with all of these things. You know, I, the goal right now is is finishing school, becoming Dr. Phil officially and and continuing then to put more energy into um, this message and, and inspiring others to to be the best version of themselves. And, and w- one more thing I'll share about social media, you know, I often reference it as as micro blogging, you know, and for me, many of the things that I tweet or I say in any social media platform are really things that I need to hear. You know, I, I talk a lot about just positive self-talk. Sometimes we say things to ourselves that we wouldn't yeah. dare say to someone else. And so a lot of the messages that I post are, are things that I feel like I even need to hear that day in hopes of inspiring or sparking um, some change in others. Yeah. Phil, it's, it's interesting that you say that because this show for me is that oppor- this is, is that opportunity, right? For me to hear like these conversations for me to hear what other men are talking about because I needed to hear that, right? This was the problem that was out here that I needed solving and nobody at the time was actually solving this problem. It's the same thing, Phil. And I love that there, you get to hear things that you need to hear to actually become better. If you had to think about those 365 days, right? Think about that. You know, what are one or two days that stood out to you? Like you were like, damn, like this is this is really this is it right here. What was the tip that you gave that day that you were like, yeah, this is what people really need to hear out of 365 days? <laughs> One message that comes to mind, I think a, a hurricane had hit here in North Carolina. And I'll never forget, I recorded this episode. I can't remember which number because it was so many, but I recorded this episode at the YMCA, I was on my way to the Y, the the hurricane had passed, but there was still lots of um, debris and trees and and things happening. This was way before COVID. And so I remember getting to the Y and I had plugged in, no, I I was on my way and I had a normal route that I would go. And I remember having to take a detour and it took me a way that I had never been, but I still ended up getting to where I needed to go a little bit faster. And so that message for me was, you know, take the alternative route. I think sometimes we get so comfortable with our normal way of doing things, with the normal path, the, the mundane route to work, the same place that we stop and get coffee every day. Not that that's a bad thing, but I think sometimes we get comfortable with the routine and with going a certain way that we don't deviate from the path and discover these new new ways of doing and new ways of being. And, and very similar, I'll share this also, very similar to uh, my, one of my father's favorite poems is The Road Not Taken mm-hmm. by Robert Frost. Robert Frost yes. And so the poem speaks of the traveler who comes to the fork in the road and the point of decision. And he looks down the path that many people have gone. Um, but in the end, going the path that not many people had taken makes all the difference in his life. And so that was just such a, a real application of that poem. Um, in a very subtle and safe way that uh, that was just one of the messages that resonated most. Man, Phil, <laughs> Phil is a runner, everybody. So just so you, just so you understand that and like putting that into even greater context, Phil, is that here's what, here's when Dr. Phil and Dr. Corporal get to be, uh, you know, so heady and, and smart for a second. The research about the, the research behind neural growth, right? I'm a, I'm a huge neuroscience geek is that what happens is that you, if you drive the same route, if you run the same route, if you bike the same route, your brain actually begins to turn off. Right. And I say turns off. Like that's a, that's a, a, that's a figurative sense. What happened is that the brain has mapped out so much is that the brain says I can go on autopilot. I can go, I, I can go, I, 
I can go to work. I can ride the same route. I can run. And what happens is that you're breathing as you're running the same route. Your breathing becomes uh, amplified at certain points of the run. You know, you know when to let down. You run the same route. You know when that hill is going to come and how much energy. Your brain says, I know this. I know this. I know this. But as we get older, we want to continue to create neural pathways for our brain, Dr. Phil. Uh, and for my revolutionaries, right, by creating new neural pathways, it means, as, as Dr. Phil just said, you've got to take the alternate route. Because the brain is saying, I don't know this route. I've got to figure it out. I've got to figure out how to breathe. I've got to figure out because this is test. Wait a minute. i got to come up this hill a different way or this is a different hill. The there's a steeper climb. Oh, this is a longer distance. I don't know. These trees, this scenery looks different. So now I've got to take it all in to make sure that I can I, look, I can figure out how to run this best, this, this race, this route a better way. And you never know, like you said, Dr. Phil, what's on that route. When you take when you take an alternative route, you never know, like literally taking the road less travel would be all the difference in the world in your life. Right. As, as I say, revolutionary, sometimes you are one decision away, right or wrong. You are one decision away from a different life. Think about that. Think about choosing, choosing that different path. Dear brother, as you talk about social media is interesting because I have watched. I remember Twitter was our game back in 2011, 2012. You were <laughs> tweeting, you know, become better and doing your thing. You, hey, Dr. Phil actually helped me create What's Your Revolution and WI Revolution and all, all of the apparel. So gratitude to that, brother. As we think about TikTok and all these new hip hop and, you know, different stars that are coming, coming about, how are you building, continuing to build your social media following organically with your message? So somebody who's starting out right now, what do you say to them, Phil? Because you've built this organic movement on all your platforms and it's done really well. And people are, you know, I have a friend, my good friend, Sharon Schubert's love. Every time you say something, oh, did you see what Phil said? <laughs> <laughs> let me let, let me send you, look, let me send you what Phil, <laughs> what Phil tweeted today or, you know. So my question is, how do you create this organic movement? If somebody is jumping on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or Facebook today, how do you create that organic movement? Um, I, I would say, and it's, it's interesting you asked this question because I, I was feeling like I was plateauing a lot in my platform. I was plateauing with my some of my social media accounts. And so I, I thought, you know, well, what am I not doing that I used to do or what has changed? And definitely been focusing more on work recently and um, school work recently. And I, I would say one of the adjustments or things that I have considered has been just going back to, um, you know, ultimately people want to be heard regardless. Like there's a huge like push that happens with social media. We want to share our thing. We want people to click on the things that we're putting out. We want people to read our articles, but people also want to be heard. And social media is a relationship, so to speak. And there are connections being made. And sometimes we have to slow down on the push and we need to receive, we need to click, we need to like, we need to engage with other people. So I, I would just share, regardless, if someone is starting out right now with all new social media platforms, I think one of the biggest strategies or biggest ways to organically grow your connections and your following, I don't like to say following, I like to say connections, is through engaging other people in conversations, um, reading their content, offering feedback, um, just engaging. Another thing that I will say is just consistency. I think, you know, it's just like if you were watching, I now, now I know you can binge watch shows on Netflix and Hulu and all that. But before that, you know, if, if you, if like in the heat of the night was coming on at seven and for some <laughs> reason it didn't come on at seven, you'd be like, well, I'm not going to tune in at seven if I don't know whether the show is coming on or not. So I think just being consistent, sometimes people move away from platforms for a while or come back. But I think consistency is a way that helps people like continue to come back to the things that you have to say on a regular basis is by knowing that you will always have something to say or something to share or at least that they can be heard 
from you when there's the, the lines of communication are open. Um, the last thing that I would share is just finding your authentic voice, like finding your voice. I know you can, like you mentioned, dancing on TikTok. Like that is probably something you will not see me do. <laughs> we can put that on record right now. I will probably never dance on TikTok. Sure, I could pump out a couple of dance videos for some likes or to generate a little interest, but you know that's not me. That's not that's not <laughs> anymore for sure. That is not me. So just just finding your voice, and you know that's what people ultimately want to hear is is you know, the things that you have to say, you are unique and the message or whatever it is that you're sharing is is unique to yourself. And I'm sure there are other people it will resonate with if you're speaking from the heart. Yeah. And you do, Phil. And, and, and that's the thing. No one will ever say that Phil Eccles doesn't speak from the heart or that he's not authentic. And so I ask you revolutionaries to Make sure you go, like you said, to Phil Echoes everything and find this content. I've actually used your content in some of my presentations, some of my equity presentations, you know, because it's so good. It resonates, right? You're asking people, you know, on a daily basis to think about their leadership, to think about their opportunities to grow, you know, interpersonally, intrapersonally, to be better versions of themselves and to equate this. What you're asking people to do potentially is to revolutionize their revolutionize themselves, to revolutionize their actions, right? To find cataclysmic, right, opportunities for them to really be the best versions of themselves. And my good friend and frat brother and line brother Antoine Hitman says, you know, and we've argued back and forth. He's like, Do you ever get to the best version of yourself, Dr. Phil? And at first I was like, Yes, you get to the best version. And then I realized what he was asking me is that you're not going to get to the best version of yourself. It is going to be a perpetual movement of bettering, right? Becoming better at each up. Because what happens, as you know, Phil, right? And Mark Manson says this in his wonderful book, uh, you know, The Subtle Art of Not Giving Up, is that life will take you to the next level and it will pose different problems, and we just want to have better problems, right? If I look, if I win this $330 million, you know, uh, lottery, it poses, it poses a different problem for me, right? Do I buy the Porsche or do I buy the Maserati? It's, it's, it, it's a different problem. But in that sense, I still would have to figure out how to be the best version of myself. So life is going to provide you with opportunities and how you move, how you level up right, is going to present you with different opportunities to be the best version of yourself. So Dr. Antoine Hickman, my good friend, my line brother, my frat brother, you are right in that we should be moving toward this North Star, but we may never reach the best version of ourselves because life is going to challenge us. And so we must continually, as, as Dr. Phil says, become better. And by becoming better each day, we're moving towards this best version of ourselves. It is a movement. It is a movement. Phil, you know, let, let's, let's shift the conversation for a second because, you know, we've been dealing, we've been dealing with race. You know, we wake up black and male every day. And I say that, I say that, I say that, I say that because it does not change. <laughs> it does not yes. change. I was actually joking my frat brother Carl Hill the other day and asked him because he had gotten so light if he had a racial transplant. But that's how we do. We joke, we joan a little bit. <laughs> I love you, Carl Hill. Um, but we wake up black and male every day, Phil. And you are raising a biracial son. Sarah, his wife is white. His beautiful son, Prince Julian, is biracial. What are you doing to teach your son about the world that we live in as black men? And how are you protecting him from the potential harm that he may experience as a young black man, young biracial man as he grows? That's a great question. Um, Julian, our son, just turned four um, in December, December 7th. And you know, he is at the age where we recognize that he, even before this year, he is able to, you know, identify like, skin color, people who look like him, people who don't look like him. 
and so you know we're starting to have those conversations about um, about how people are treated differently, about race, uh, and ways that we are doing that is through um, representation. Just making sure that he has multiple images, multiple races, multiple different, multiple ethnicities in the books that he's reading, in the shows that he's watching, in the uh, people that we are spending time with, that we are introducing him to. And so we're just really being mindful of that. And I'll share a couple of quick stories. The, the first, you know, I reflect, you know, I've been talking a lot about reference structure and firsts for us and those being peak moments and things that we refer back to in our lives. You know, I think back to when I was growing up, my parents would always make sure that the things that I had, like whether it be toys or books or <laughs> I had this Cabbage Patch doll. We can talk about it. <laughs> I had a Cabbage Patch doll growing up and it was a little black boy. And I remember like my parents buying me like Sun Man. It was like the black superhero. <laughs> and we were in a store once and I love the Ghostbusters. And I remember asking my parents to buy me one of the Ghostbusters, but I pointed to like one of the white characters. It was three white characters and one black one. And I brought one of the white characters to my mom and she's like, boy, put that thing back on the shelf. And so I, then I went and grabbed Winston, who was the black Ghostbuster. Yeah. And um, she's like, put it in the cart. And to me, it was not that my mom was was hating on white people or or white toys or white or white identity, per se. I think she was really just trying to instill. She knew the, the things that were fighting against me not being able to love myself, even though I did not know that those things were fighting against me, the images in the media, the toys that we play with, um, marketing ads, everything, right? And so even education. And so, you know, my parents instilled in me a love for self, a love for us um, at a very early age. And so those same types of things, you know, you think about the, the research of and Toni Morris's work around the bluest eye, you know, even now with our son, there was a, a book that we were reading and and my son has this like curly hair and he saw an image he had he saw a boy in one of the books that had his same complexion and the same kind of curl his hair had at the time he hadn't had a haircut he had like this little teeny weeny afro a twa and <laughs> he was able to see himself in that book you mm. know and i think those are the types of things that we are trying to be mindful of. <clears throat> and another really quick story, our son, he swims every Saturday, he takes swim. And um, the place that we take him to, there are a couple of instructors of color. And so we had a chance for him to change classes. And so we had a choice of who we wanted his new instructor to be. And so Sarah and I were having a conversation about it. And you know, I pointed to, it was a, a, a young woman who was Latin and I said, that's who we, I want to be his instructor. And the reason behind it is I know the likelihood, just working in education, I know the likelihood of when our child enters kindergarten, even up until maybe high school, the likelihood of him having someone in front of him in the classroom other than a white female is slim to none. And so I want him, we want him to have Whenever there's an opportunity for an instructor or a person who is instructing or standing in front um, of color, a person of color, we want that for him because we want to expose that to him. And I think that is the type of mindfulness that we are having with raising a black boy. Phil, I mean, I mean, yes, yes, yes. You know, when you, when you have the ability to reference, reference things that that resonate with you even as a young child as, as he formulates again let's let's geek out on neuroscience right he's forming these neural connections right he's seeing the various things of the world who looks like me right who acts like me who can who plays like me who looks like mommy who looks like daddy why does mommy and daddy look different 
And that ability to have these conversations very, very early on for him. And Prince Julian is a wonderful, like Prince Julian is a wonderful young boy. And he, this, this is a developmental psychologist to me. I, I want to call him a young man. He's a boy. He's four years old. And to see him in space and play with him and, and spend time with him. Uncle Charles loves you, Prince Julian, right? As, it, as if you were his own. You know, and that that's just the bond between you and your father that I have. But but to see that and 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 not wanting any harm to come for him, but understanding like like your mother did for you, what are the rep- representations? Because at the end of the day, you know, Uncle Phil, we are going to, you know, he's going to be perceived in the world how he's going to be perceived in the world. And we want to arm him with everything, but also show him that the world can be very loving. Right. The world can be very inclusive when it wants to be. And I think as the great father you are and the great mother that he has with Sarah and Gigi, is it Gigi? Gima. 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 Yeah. <laughs> with, with Gima, you know, all of all, everybody living together and, you know, in harmony and peace. Prince Julian has a way to grow and to see love and to see prosperity. Uh, and see the opportunities of his father and mother to love each other and give him a home and a blessing that has his uncle Eli and his uncle Charles making sure that he is going to grow into an amazing, an amazing, amazing young man. Look, Phil, let's begin to close this out, man. And this has been a wonderful opportunity to spend time with my boy. You know, we've been all over the all over the country in various spaces, hanging out. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to <laughs> Maria. Earl. <laughs> um, that's it. I'm just giving a shout out to her. Uh, Phil is smiling. Nobody can see. It was a great, we had a great, great, our, our, our meeting, Phil, Maria, myself, you know, one night, at, one night in New Orleans. And that, that's all we need to say. It was, a, it was a wonderful time. And you are a wonderful person. And we are both grateful for the, our, our experiences, uh, our experiences with you and the love that you've shown me. Um, Brother, to, as, add a, to add a little context, I'm a, I'm a wonderful wingman. <laughs> you are the best wingman ever. <laughs> that was a that was a great night. That was that was definitely a great night. New Orleans, New Orleans are look. My beloved New Orleans has a lot of stories. <laughs> let me tell you. And that night, that night in New Orleans was a wonderful, a wonderful opportunity, man. A great time. I'm so mad that the Bridge Lounge where we were that night is now uh, uh now named as another bar but that was that was a good night mari and i had a, a a lot of good times in the bridge lounge um phil as we close out brother it's going to be 2021 when people hear this and the show is for black men and the people who love them what are you doing as a black man to take care of yourself what are the strategies that you would give other black men as they are trying to become better Right. What would you tell them to do? Uh, it, it goes back. The first thing that comes to mind is when re- referencing Eli, once again, when he and I met, we were at Hampton University. Uh, we were roommates back in. Look, I won't even say the year, <laughs> but it's been a long time ago. And in freshman orientation, there was a quote that they made us repeat after Ogden events, after after meetings with the class. And the quote was, good, better, best, never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. And I share that going into 2021, um, it's been a, a, a interesting year to say the least, but going into 2021, I think for myself personally and advice to others would be just to set goals, revisit those goals um, and make changes and allow yourself some grace along the way. You know, if 2020 has taught us anything is um, that grace is needed. And Mm. for ourselves, for the things that we're saying to ourselves, um, to the, the people that we're working with, to the people that we love. And I think just setting goals, revisiting goals, and, you know, also just offering yourself grace along the way. Um, that is that is much needed. The The other thing that I will share, too, and I've referenced this a lot during our the, the podcast during this episode, 
is I've referenced peaks, peak moments. And so I've been reading um, a, a lot of literature lately around um, these peaks and valleys in our lives. And so these peak moments are moments that break the norm, moments that break the mold, you know, those things like skydiving, those things like, like snowboarding, we reference Vancouver, like um, traveling with friends, um, just sharing special moments. And so going into 2021, we've been on lockdown. Um, it has been very stressful. Um, we're still fighting a lot of battles in many regards. I would just say, make time for peak moments, make time to create peak moments in your life. And those moments being um, with special people, uh, doing special things and just places, places over things like people over profit, just making sure that we're not um, focusing so much on things and material things, but just when travel opens up and when we can see each other in fellowship like we used to be able to just creating as many peak moments as you can. I love that. And that's I, <laughs> I think when I label this show about, you know, creating, you know, creating peak moments to help you become better. Right. Or or peak moments. Right. Finding those peak moments will help you become better. And it is in those peak moments that you and Eli and I have had over the last, you know, you know, last decade and decade and so that have allowed me to become better. The ability to pick up the phone and and call you because something's on my mind or I'm I'm struggling or heavy or or I got something that I want to tell you that I want to make you laugh, right? That ability, you know, and, and again, this is my show and I get to say things on my show that I probably wouldn't say, but Phil, you're the dude that I call when I can't call nobody else, right? <laughs> you know, and you know, and, and I say that when 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 I want to say something that I can't say it out, out loud, or when I want to say something that I don't want to tell anybody that you need to know that I need your guidance on. You're that person, and I I, I realize that, and, and you know, as much as I love my boy Eli and, and what he brings to us, and I Eli and I talk every week. You are the person that I call. Like I need to call Phil. <laughs> I need to call Phil. I need to tell Phil this, right? This this happened today. I need to tell Phil. So it is in those peak moments, man, just the little small peak moments when we have the ability to, to laugh and to, you know, talk out the issues that we're going through as you work through this PhD, you know, those heartfelt moments when we have, you know, life's life is is calling on us. The ability to pick up the phone and say, look, I need to talk to you. So uh, grateful for you. Grateful for this friendship. I could not ask for anything else. And hopefully you <laughs> look, hopefully, hopefully, look, as you tell as you tell the stories, you know, <laughs> as you tell the stories, I ain't gonna say any. Look, I don't need you to tell them stories anytime soon. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, tell them correctly, you know, <laughs> and tell it all. Tell tell it all. Uh, so, dear brother, I appreciate you. Revolutionaries, you know, it's 2021 it's coming. And I want you to think about this year. I want you to think about your revolution. I want you to think about putting 2020 behind you, right? Thinking about what you learned and thinking about how 2021 will allow you to foster these peak moments. These peak moments with friends and family and community, right? Communities that you have not been able to experience over the last year, communities that you can reintegrate into, that you can find these peak moments. I am, I cannot wait to travel. My boy, Derek Greenfield has been trying to get me out of the country. I'm like, you go, I will see you. But to be able to have those peak moments to go back to Bali and Thailand to see my nephew, Prince Julian, to see my niece, Emmanuel L., just to spend time in place. Phil, someone said to me that relationships are the new capital, you know, right? I'm gonna say 50 is the new sexy for 2020, <laughs> right? But that's where we are. So revolutionaries, I wish you well. And as always, we are here for you. We are here for you as you journey on your revolution to be the best version of yourself. And Dr. Phil, because when May comes, when May comes of 2021, 
he won't just be Phil anymore. He will be Uncle Phil. He will be Dr. Phil because he looks just like Uncle Phil from The Fresh Prince. But <laughs> I love <laughs> So shout out to you revolutionaries and make sure you can listen to the podcast on all your podcast medium. If you love the show, make sure that you like it, like this episode, leave us a review. I never say this. I'm saying this for the first time. Leave a review. We need as many reviews as we can. And as we move forward past 100, past 100 and on, I'm grateful to all my revolutionaries. Shout out to Susan Henry, who gave me a start at WBOK. To my forever, to my forever producer, Rachel Graham, thank you so much. To my forever engineer, Jazzo. Jazz, thank you for putting this show together four years ago. Looking forward to celebrating our four-year anniversary. My guest will be my first guest, Oliver Thomas, the OT of New Orleans stardom. And we will announce the Revolutionary of the Year sometime in January. I'm looking forward to seeing you, hearing from you, and wishing you all the well, revolutionaries. Take care. I love you. And as you know, always be able to answer what we think here is the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution? Peace, everyone. What's good, revolutionaries?